Well, good morning, everybody. It is great to see you this morning, this holiday weekend. As you know, it's a holiday at New Hope, which means I'm here. I'm speaking. It's great to be with you. Appreciate all my holiday weekend churchgoers. That's right. Um, well, it's been a great week here at New Hope, a wild week, a lot of craziness going on around here. As we ramp up for the fall, we're excited for things to start launching again here soon. Um, but I just want to take a moment off the top. If you weren't able to attend last week our barbecue and baptisms, uh, we went out to a lake and we baptized people out in the waters. And uh, rather than do it here on Sunday morning, we went out and we had a barbecue together. And this is the start of my third year here at New Hope. I've been here for two years. And this really was the first time that I was able to take part in an event like this, um, obviously because of COVID. And so it was an amazing time for me especially to get to see some of you outside of these walls and uh, be able to just uh, celebrate together as we baptized seven people. And it was just an amazing time together. And uh, yeah, I just want to say just off the top how incredible it was to be a part of one of those, hopefully the first of many events and activities like that that we get to celebrate with together. And, uh, and it was just a spectacular time together and a great way to kick off our week, go into the week baptizing people and go into the lake. And I'm glad it was the temperature it was last week and not the temperature it was this morning when I went into that water. But I've mentioned in the past as I spoke that, uh, you know, part of my childhood, a large part of it was sports. I love sports. And uh, another large part of it was playing organized sports. And where I grew up, uh, until I was about 12 years old, it was a small town of about 1,600 people. It's a town called Shawville. And I don't know in that town if we signed up to play sports because we loved it or if it was more because we were in a town of 1,600 people and there was nothing else to do. And so I played everything. I played every organized sport that you could sign up for, all the team sports, soccer, baseball, hockey, all those things. And I played all these games and all these sports and we tried all these things out and some of them stuck, some of them didn't. But one of them that I played quite a bit that was actually my most successful sport was actually softball. And I say softball because there are some diehards that would be upset if I said baseball. We don't overhand throw. This was underhand. This was softball whenever I was young. And my team in softball was really good. And we were, especially one season, we won the championship one time and we did actually get to win everything. But there was this other year where we were, like, dominant. We were by far the best team, and we knew it from, like, day one. And so the whole season, you know, we were so cocky, our team. We knew we had this in the bag. We were going to win the championship. There was nobody that could stop us. We had this thing. And so all season long, that was our attitude. My head was about five times the size it is now in my 10-year-old body, believe it or not, you know. I just had this huge inflated ego because I knew you can't stop us. We have the best pitching, the best hitting, the best coach. We got the best everything. And we were going to dominate. And so that's the attitude we had all season. We told everybody. We, you know, I bragged all the time, like, we're the best team. We're going to win. Nobody's stopping us. And so that's pretty much how the season went. We went through the whole regular season. We dominated. We ended in first place. We won a bunch of games. Had a bunch of fun. We were cocky about it. We were taunting the other teams. We knew we won before we even started games. And then come to the playoffs, we win, we win, we make it to the finals. And like I said, we were a small town, really small town. Uh, but we actually had so many kids sign up for organized sports because, like I said, it's nothing else to do. Everybody signs up. That we had two baseball teams. And this year was the weird, unique thing where both those teams made it to the finals. So it was Shovel 1 versus Shovel 2. Who was 1 and who was 2? We'll never know. But 
Shovel one versus shovel two. And so the two shovel teams make it to the finals and we're playing each other. And again, we were just like, oh, this is going to be the best. This is so easy. We're going to get to win. Then we get to go back to school in September, brag about it all year long. We are the champs. We're the champs of the school. We're the champs of baseball. This is going to be the best. And so we're thinking, like, this is going to be easy. And to be honest, for eight innings, it was pretty easy. We got up, like, four or five runs. We were winning by a lot. And we felt like this game's in the bag. We won. We're already, like, planning the parade route. You know, we're like, okay, should we go in front of my house? And then we've got to go over to your neighborhood. And should we buy championship hats? Well, I don't make any money. I'm 10. Do you make money? No. Okay. Well, maybe our parents will buy us hats. Right? And we're like, where are we going to raise the banner? It's, you know, we're all hockey kids. We're talking about raising a banner. We're like, well, it's baseball. Do they raise banners? This is what's going on in the outfield while we're playing this game. And we've already won. We've already written our ticket. We won. And then there, we forgot there was a ninth inning. Bottom of the ninth. We're up by five runs. And it's, it's over. We're like, this is easy. And then our pitcher ran out of gas. And this was at a time where we were at a point in our lives where uh, it was underhand pitch, but you could also windmill pitch, right, where you, you wind it up. And you get a little more speed, but a little less control when you're learning. And our pitcher had been windmill pitching because he really wanted to windmill pitch. And so these players come up in the ninth inning, bottom of the ninth, we're up by five, and all of a sudden it's just ball one, ball two, ball three, take your base. Ball one, ball two, and he's walking player after player, and then the bases are loaded before you know it. Now he manages to get two outs, so he does get two people out. So it's, it's out of a movie, I'm telling you. I'm sitting at second base, I'm watching this, I have a front row seat to a train wreck, and I can't look away. Bottom of the ninth, two outs, we've been cocky all season, we've been talking about, like I said, playing the parade route, and up comes to bat this kid that should have never signed up for baseball. Now, like I said, small town, everybody signs up, including the kids that don't want to be at baseball. And this guy is very, I'm sure he's great at a lot of amazing things. Baseball wasn't one of them. And he gets up to the plate and barely even picks up the bat to his shoulder. You can tell he has no intention of ever swinging that bat. He's just going to stand there and what happens, happens. And so we're all sitting there thinking like, just, just underhand pitch. Just lob it over the plate, just nice and easy. And sure enough, the pitcher, windmill, ball one. Windmill, ball two. And we're like, just throw it, just toss it. Just like, you know, just like a dart, just lit over the plate. And he walks them. And he gets on the bases. And now we're only up by three runs. And up to the plate comes the best hitter in the league, their leadoff hitter. And he hits a home run, grand slam, and we lose. And so we're crushed, right? We'd already won. We'd already been telling people we won. We'd been bragging all season how we were the best. For eight innings, we were the best in the championship game. Unfortunately, that's not how sports work. you got to be good for the whole game. And so we lose. And the drive home was a quiet drive, tears running down the cheek, just devastated. And then the worst part is I had to go back to my cottage. We, we stay at the cottage in the summer and drive in for the games and everything. And I told everybody at the cottage that we were going to win. So I have to go back, and everyone's excited, right? And the, you come back, how was the game? Uh, it, was, uh, it was good. It was a good game. Did you win? You were your champion? Ah, uh, no. No, we're not champions. 
Oh, well, that's too bad. Then next person I see, hey, Dan, did you win? No, I didn't win. And time and time again, I have to relive and retell the story. Because I told everybody, I said, hey, I'm going to go win this championship. I'll be back in a couple hours. I'm going to go win. We're the best. And then time and time again, I had to, ah, no, no, we didn't win. Oh, but, oh, man, you were so hopeful. That's too bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it must have been a close, fun game. I mean, nothing traumatic happened during the game, right, Dan? No, that ninth inning was fun. It was a good time. We definitely didn't have a huge lead. Now, at the time, obviously, you know, that's like my life is over. I'm devastated. But in reality, I think it was a lesson I needed to learn, and I'm glad I learned it at a young age. And I think our whole team needed that lesson. We needed that large slice of humble pie. We needed to be humbled because we were acting so cocky that I'm sure it wasn't fun to be around us. And the reality is we were just being really prideful. And we needed someone to knock us down a peg. And we, we were knocked down a peg. And so I think this was a lesson we needed to learn. And so we've been going through the book of Proverbs all summer, learning about Proverbs wisdom. And September is here, but we've got a couple more weeks of summer in, in this series. And so we're going to be looking at a passage today in Proverbs 27. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them now and go to Proverbs 27. We're going to be looking at verses 1 and 2. And we're going to be talking today on this topic that wisdom avoids boasting. Solomon here in Proverbs is talking to us about how wisdom avoids boasting. So let's read the passage. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Let someone else praise you and not your own mouth, when someone else, or sorry, someone else and not your own lips. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for this morning, and thank you for everyone who's come to church, whether it's here or online, watching at home, God. We just pray, God, that you would be with us this morning, that your Holy Spirit would be active and speaking to each and every one of us. God, I pray that you would speak through me, and that it would be your words this morning, not my own. God, just uh, just bless us this morning, and God, be with us as, as I speak. In Jesus' name, amen. And so wisdom avoids boasting. So before we go any further, let's clarify, what is boasting? Boasting is an excessively high opinion or talk about one's ability, accomplishments, or possessions. An excessively high opinion or talk about one's ability, accomplishments, or possessions. Now as I'm reading this description, I'm sure some of you have a face that's appeared in your mind, and you're thinking, oh, I know someone like that. And if you're someone who's sitting here this morning and no name is popping into your head, maybe a mirror is needed. But we all know somebody who has an excessively high opinion or talk about one's ability, accomplishments, or possessions. Because it's in our nature. It's in our human nature. We just, we like to boast. We like to brag. Whenever we, ex we succeed, whenever we celebrate something, we want to tell people about it. We can't help ourselves sometimes. And what the Word of God is telling us is that the foolish struggle with being the center of attention. The foolish love to come into a room and be the center of attention. They want all eyes looking their way, and they'll do whatever they have to do to get that attention. It's a pride issue. It's their ego. They need it. They crave it. 
And so the foolish struggle with being the center of attention. Whereas the wise, the gracious, the humble, they allow others to shine. The reality is without these people, nothing would happen, but you'll never know it because they work in the shadows. They let other people take the glory. I've met a lot of people like this while being at New Hope, and I won't say their names because that is the last thing they'd want is to be called out. But the wise allow others to shine while they work in the background, the shadows. They stay humble and stay gracious. And so what can we take from this passage? What are some of the nuggets that we can take away? Well, there's at least two points I want to share with you this morning. And the first is this. The foolish brag about their past accomplishments. So the foolish brag about their past accomplishments. Now, for me as a Maple Leafs fan, this is something that hits real close to home because I'm friends with a lot of Leaf fans that still talk like we've won a cup in this decade, this, let alone this century. But it has been since 1967 since we've ever done anything that mattered. And you talk to some Leaf fans on the street and they talk like we win the cup every single year. And unfortunately, that's my, those are my brothers, those are my sisters, and I have to accept them as that. But, but talk about someone bragging about past accomplishments. And Habs fans, I can't let you completely off the hook because 1993 wasn't last year either. It's been a while for all of us. And yet, whenever you talk to some sports fans, they talk like, oh, we won last year, we, we got it all. You know, the world revolves around us. And so have you met those people? Have you been around those people? They somehow manage to bring up all their accomplishments from the past in every conversation you have with them. Somehow the fact that they're the best long jumper in their elementary school comes up every time you talk. Or the fact that they were valedictorian at their college, but they graduated like 30 years ago, and they still bring it up every time. Well, I was valedictorian. I was we keep going back to the well, keep going back to our past accomplishments and bringing them up again and again because we like that little, that little feeling we get whenever people go, oh, wow, impressive. That was very good. Nice. We like that little praise that we get. And so we keep going back and bragging and bragging about our past accomplishments. But what Scripture here is telling us is that this is what the foolish do. They, they brag about their past accomplishments. And so what do the wise do? Well, Proverbs verse 27, 2, it says, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. Someone else and not your own lips. And so what do the foolish do? They brag about what they did. Well, whenever I was running this ministry, it was this big. Not like now. Or, oh, before I got here, this church would have closed down, but I came in and I saved the day. And, man, I was here whenever this happen and they would be lost without me. This ministry would never run without me. Or this project at work, it never would have happened if I wasn't there to save it. Man, you should have seen what they were trying to do before I got there. And they want to be seen as the hero. They want to take credit for all their past accomplishments and they want to be seen as the hero and be praised for it. And so they bring it up time and time again. And so Solomon communicates how the foolish brag and praise themselves from their own mouth. But he says here in verse 2, let someone else praise you and not your own mouth. Let someone else and not your own lips.
So, who were some of the examples of people in the scriptures that were foolish and boasted in their own accomplishments? Well, the Pharisees, I think, are a prime example of this. The religious leaders of the day. They were constantly bragging on their own selves. They were looking for people to be there and see them and bask in the glory. In Matthew 23, 5, it talks about everything they do is done for people to see. It's that whole idea that, well, why would I help this person if no one's here to see me help them? I, I need the praise. I need, you know, like if Pastor Jetty asked me to help him and I don't get a Tim's card, did I really help him? I mean, I better be getting that Tim's card. Or if Pastor Scott, if, I, if he asked me to come in and do a favor for him, I better be getting a free bre- breakfast out of it. Because if I don't get my free breakfast, why would I ever help Pastor Scott? Right? We're looking for the reward. We're looking for people to see it. We want it, we want it to be known. And that's what the Pharisees did. That's how they led their ministry. That's how the religious leaders of the day did things. They were looking for praise from others. They were looking for people to see what they did. In John 12, 43, it says that they loved humans praise, human praise more than God's praise. They love the praise of humans more than the praise of God. And so they were doing things so that other people, other humans could praise them. And, oh, what an amazing job you did. Oh, what a fantastic. Oh, you're so amazing, Mr. Pharisee. You're so incredible. Right? And without that praise, what's the point? For me, anytime I speak, whenever I get off stage or I go, go out to the lobby, every once in a while you'll have someone come up and say, oh, great sermon. Every once in a while you also have someone come up and say, awful sermon. But that's, we don't talk about those. But every once in a while you get, they'll come up and you'll encourage. And it's one of those things that, that if I'm not careful, I can, I can preach in a way that I'm trying to please certain people. And I can try, oh, I really hope I get Dave to laugh this week because if I get Dave laughing, he'll give me the thumbs up and then I'll feel better. And that's a danger. That's something that I can slip into. But the reality is, in my heart of hearts, I need to not care if you like what I preach about. I'm not preaching for you. I don't care. That's, that's where my heart needs to be. I only need to care about what God thinks. Am I preaching the things that God wants me to preach for his people? Because if I let your desires and the desire for your praise get in the way, it's going to distract from what God has to say. And I'll fall into that trap that the Pharisees fell into, and I'll be chasing after the glory of humans instead of the glory from God. And so everything that the Pharisees did was done for people to see, and they had a love for human praise more than God's praise. And so what do the wise do? We know the, the, the foolish brag about their past accomplishments. But the wise, the wise deflect the praise and give it to God or they give it to others. And so the wise deflect the praise, give it to God and give it to others. Well, it's because of your investments that I'm here today. It's because of my parents who sacrificed and moved and did all these things for me. That's why I made it to here today. You know, it's, it's because of our team. We work together, right? If you're on a work project, we did this together. We made this happen. Last weekend for the barbecue and baptisms, that was an amazing event. It took a village, everybody working together, everybody doing different things. It took all of us coming together to make that happen. Tonight, our movie night, it's taking all of us to come together, work together, 
do this as a team. It's not just one person, but it's all of us coming together. And so deflecting that praise and giving it to God, giving it to others. Every good and perfect gift comes from above, James 1.17. The wise deflect that praise and they give thanks to God. None of this is possible without God. New Hope's ministry, this building, whenever it was built, all the ministries that have gone in here over the years, all the work we've done in the community, none of it's possible without God. And so we give him glory first. The wise deflect praise and thank God. What I have is because of God's goodness, his faithfulness, and his generosity in my life. Because of the grace he's offered us up, offered, uh, offered me. And if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. 1 Corinthians 1.31 If you are someone that just has to boast, boast about God. Boast about what he's done in your life. It's what we try to do whenever we share testimony videos here at church. We want people to boast about what God's been doing because we're proud. We're excited to serve a God that's active and alive and working in our lives. We're excited to serve that God, and we want to share those stories. We want to brag about our God. And that's the one time the boasting's okay. It's when we deflect the praise, we give it to God, we give it to others. And so not only do the foolish brag about their past accomplishments, but then secondly... They brag about their future accomplishments. And so you have all kinds of people who are boasting about these incredible futuristic things that are going to happen. Right? Uh, you know, Elon Musk is out there saying we're going to live on Mars someday. And he just focused on we got to get to Mars, got to get to Mars. You had all these people talking about flying cars someday. Whenever I used to watch the Jetsons as a kid, I thought, is that our future? You have all these people talking about you know, whenever we were kids, they said, oh, someday, see that huge computer? It's going to be in your pocket. And I said, that'll never happen. And then look at that. I got a computer in my pocket that does more than that computer did that took up, you know, this much space on a desk. And so all these things, and there's different people like Steve Jobs, I think of as one guy that was always saying, he was always focused on the future and his future accomplishments and he was always focused on, we got to get to this point. And I remember at one time, he gave this speech, this famous, famous speech he gave at one point when he was presenting a new product, and he was presenting the iPod. And he said this line, that for some of the younger people, this won't make as much sense, but for the older people in the crowd, this was amazing when we heard it for the first time. He said, I have a device that's going to have a thousand songs fit inside your pocket. Now, if you were like me, whenever I first got my license, I had CDs all over the car, and every time, you know, driving down the highway, reaching in the back, trying to get that right mixed CD to put it in, and you had piles and piles of CD in your bedroom, or maybe you were a record person, and you had, like, people have whole rooms in their homes dedicated to records, and just records all over the walls. And now Steve Jobs is saying, a thousand songs in your pocket. And then he made the iPod, and then the iPhone, and then... And so he was focused always on these future, future, future things, and some of them came to be, but a lot of the things that he said also didn't come true. A lot of the things he was focused on never came to be, and ultimately for him, he's no longer with us, and he still had things that he was just focused on the future. He was planning for the future, but he died early. He died unexpectedly whenever he got ill, and he didn't get to see all those things come to fruition. And then there's just foolish really foolish people, more obviously foolish people, 
like this guy named Billy McFarland. And if you don't know that name just from hearing it, he is a guy that, uh, there's a documentary about him, a couple documentaries actually. He's a guy who ran an event called Fire Island. And Fire Island was this exclusive event that was taking place on a private island where you had to pay a very large sum of money to come for a weekend event where you lived lavishly. You lived in luxury. And the whole idea was this for influencer, this was for influencers, influencers to come. Wow, that was tough. Influencers to come and live a weekend of luxury and get all kinds of Instagram pictures and all kinds of stuff that they could post online. And so that's why they would want to come. And there was this idea that everybody stayed in a private villa. There was huge concerts. These big-name bands were all named and announced as coming to play. So there was going to be these huge concerts, all kinds of luxury villas. Top-tier chefs were coming in to cook amazing food. And there was just incredible views, and it was this island. And the way he advertised it was it was on this island that was owned by Pablo Escobar. And so if you don't know who he is, don't bother but he was, he was a big name in Colombia back in the day. And so it was this big, famous island, this amazing, beautiful island, private island, all this amazing stuff. And he kept on boasting and boasting before the event. This is going to happen. This is going to be amazing, saying all the amazing, incredible things that were going to happen. And he got all these millionaires on board, these investors that were like, yeah, we're in, we're in. And he just kept taking money and taking money and spending it and and then pocketing some on the side, and then he kept pocketing all this money, taking in all this money for this incredible, amazing event. And then the event happened, and about a day before the event, all of a sudden, all the bands that were listed started posting on their social media saying, hey, everybody, we're not going to be able to make it. We've canceled. And then rumors started to come out none of the bands were getting paid. And so the bands weren't going to show up if they didn't get their money. So then you're like, okay, that's kind of weird. Why aren't they paying the bands? And then all of a sudden, people, people who attend the event, they start posting pictures. And it starts, you start to see that these luxury villas they're staying in are more like military camps. And they're staying in tents, and they have little cots. And there's not enough cots for everybody who's staying there. Then you come to find out that the food, this luxury food, was ham and cheese sandwiches in a Ziploc bag. And then you come to find out that this whole thing was just a huge, huge mess. And if you watch the documentary, you find out that there was just so many problems, problem after problem after problem, and this thing should have been shut down months before it ever got off the ground. But because Billy McFarland was a hustler and he was out there and he was bragging, he just got in too deep. And he just kept saying, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And he was boasting and bragging and telling everybody about this amazing thing, and these millionaires and these investors were all bought in. And then in the end, it was horrible. People were suing. There was all kinds of issues. Flooding started to happen. Electricity was out. It was crazy. And so in the end, his boasting landed him a six-year prison sentence. Because he'd taken all this money and he'd made all these promises and he'd said all these incredible things that were going to happen and none of it was true. And so the foolish brag about their future accomplishments. It says in uh, Proverbs 27, verse 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. I feel like since 2020, that statement hits a lot more close to home for all of us. Many plans were made that year and the following years that we didn't know what was going to come and what was going to change. 
And so a lot of pivoting had to happen, a lot of changes made. And so the foolish brag about what they're going to do, where they're going to go, and how they're going to make a name for themselves. And so instead of saying, yes, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to become famous, or I'm going to invent the next big gadget in the future, and I'm going to invent, you know, I'm going to fix this problem, I'm going to fix that problem, it's much better for us to say, if it's the Lord's will, I will do this. If God sees fit, if I, if I go to God and I feel like he's leading me in this direction, this is what I would like to do, Lord willing. Because if we don't, it presumes that we know the future, or at least that we think we know what's best. And it comes across as arrogant or prideful, when in reality, God knows. He knows the future. He knows what's coming. And so if we go to him and we seek his will, then his way and his plan will be what's best for us. Now, what I'm not saying is never make plans, right? Obviously, planning ahead is important. It's wise. Don't just wake up every morning, walk out the door and say, all right, God, I'm not taking another step until you tell me where to take that step and where I'm going and what I'm doing today. There's nothing wrong with planning ahead. It's, wise. it's actually wise to do. But what's more important is obeying the will of God. Being willing to make plans and then accept that God may have a different plan and then pivoting. There's been many times in ministry I've had plans and ideas of what I want to do and then God comes in and says, actually, I think you should do this. And I go, are you sure? He goes, I'm pretty sure. And I finally, okay, God, I accept that. And you pivot. I know whenever I left, uh, I was in a ministry right out of school, and I really strongly felt God telling me after a year there, it's your time to leave this position. I said, are you sure, God? Because I kind of, it's comfortable here. I really like it here. Money's pretty good. It's close to my family. And God said, now it's time. And then I said, okay, God, I'm going to resign because I guarantee you've got another church for me right away. And then I worked at a Walmart fulfillment center for a year. And I said, are you sure, God? He said, I think you need this. And it ended up being one of the most important years of my ministry life to date was the year I didn't work in a church. I needed that year. And if I'd have gone under my plans and done things in my way and not trusted God's will for my life, I never would have learned those lessons. And I wouldn't have been ready to minister here at New Hope all those years later. I needed that year. I needed that year of working outside of church. But that was God's plan. That was never my plan, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> I do not look back on those days fondly. I don't wish I was back there. I don't think, oh, man, what I'd give to work at Walmart. <laughs> but who knew? And funny enough, when I was there, we were launching the online grocery shopping program for all of Canada. And all of us, when we launched this program, we thought, maybe this will take off. Who knows if anyone will ever do online grocery shopping. Little did we know that a few years later, everybody would be wanting to do it. And so if we focus on our own plans and our own ideas for the future and we don't go to God, we're going to come out looking foolish. And so what do the wise do? The wise communicate it if it is God's will. If it's God's will, we communicate it. 
So not if it's my will, my, my will be done, right, on earth as it is in heaven. I don't think that's how it goes. It's God, his will, on earth as it is in heaven. And so we communicate it if it's God's will. And so God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In James 4, 6, it says that. He empowers and helps those who are humble in spirit, who depend upon him and obey his ways. So don't get caught up in the future plans that you have for your life. Don't get caught up in thinking about, I got to do this, I got to do that. I need to meet this goal, meet that goal, and in 20 years I'll be retired and I'll be ready and I'll be set. Have those plans, but keep them to yourselves. Share them with your family. But also be prepared for God to have a different plan. Be prepared that maybe you're going to turn 65 get ready to retire and think I'm hitting the beach and then God says I got a different idea how about this ministry how about that ministry did you know these people need help I think you'd be great for that and then be ready to say yes to God and once you know it's God's will then communicate it then brag about it brag about God and the things he's done in your life brag about the things he's going to do in your life At New Hope, we love bragging about the things that go on here. It's nothing to do with us, though. I loved being able to brag about the baptisms last week. That had nothing to do with me. That was all God. Every story you hear isn't about, well, Pastor Dan is the reason I'm baptized because he did this or he didn't know it's God. God did this. God intervened. God stepped in. God made a difference. And because of God, I want to be baptized. And so I love bragging, but it's all about God. And so what do the foolish do? They focus on their past accomplishments, and they focus on their future accomplishments, and they boast about them. But the wise, the wise just boast on God. We don't communicate it unless it's God's will. We focus on what he wants for our life, his desires, And yes, we plan, we make plans, we make our own plans. But then we go to God and we say, is this okay? Is this what you want? And if he has something different, no matter how weird it may sound or how different it looks than what you expected, we say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe and trust that this is what you want for my life and and this is better than what I had planned. And so we're going to have, worship team is going to come up and close with a song. But I'm going to pray for you before I step down. And This morning, I just want to pray for you. If you're someone who's here, and this morning, the descriptions of the boastful person, the fool, maybe in your heart of hearts, you know that's something you struggle with or that's something that, that you could use some prayer about. I just pray that uh, the Holy Spirit would be talking to you this morning and convicting you, and, and today would be the start of a change for you in your life where you become less focused on your accomplishments, whether they be in the past or the things that you're working towards, and you would focus more on the things that God's doing in your life. And you would become someone who just becomes boastful of God, boastful of the things that he's doing. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for this morning and this opportunity to gather and be together and hear from your word, God. 
And Lord, I just thank you for Solomon and the teachings in the book of Proverbs. And God, I just, I just pray that you, Lord, would just uh, be with everyone this morning, that your Holy Spirit will be speaking in each and every one of their lives. And God, if there are people here with boastful hearts, they're focused on their own accomplishments in the past, or they're focused on the accomplishments of their future, and they're not going to you and seeking your will, God, or not giving you any praise. Lord, I just pray you'd convict them this morning and be speaking to them in their hearts. And God, they would make that change. And God, I just thank you for all the incredible things you've done through this church and this community. And God, we just are excited about the amazing things you have in store for us in the future. And we can't wait to tell everybody about it. In Jesus' name, amen.